Hi everyone and welcome to New York State of Crime. A podcast exploring New York's most disturbing criminal cases. Before we get to the case today, there's uh, some... We've made a disturbing discovery, discovery. basically, and since the theme of this podcast is disturbing, um, (laughs) we're just going to go with this. So, though we were born in New York and have lived in New York this whole time, our whole lives, we somehow didn't know that this was the state song of New York. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play a little bit for you now. We somehow didn't know that this was it. Okay, right. So, so everyone gets it, right? Like, it's, this is it's, so exciting. It's so exciting. I love New no York. There's no place like There's it. There's no place like it. And so, so exciting. Everywhere you go, right? Um, but it's it's like disco land, and we just somehow never knew. But well, we were we're thinking, we're glad to know. No, it can be our theme song now. We might just adopt it it's as our theme song. Truly absurd enough. The fact that of all the great songs. Well, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Brenna. I'm Peter. And uh, this is New York State of Crime, as we said, a podcast about crime in the state of New York. Not just regular crime, the most disturbing crime. And not just regular New York, the state of New York, the whole state. There tends to be some city centrism in New York coverage, and we are current New York Cityers, are we not? We are. But we are both from quote unquote upstate New York. The so called Mid Hudson Valley. Yeah, so Dutchess it's County. debatable where upstate New York begins and when you live where we're from, they say it's not upstate New York. But when you live down in the city of New York they definitely say it is. So anyway we're just going to tell you a bit about ourselves and why we started this podcast, and then we're going to tell you an awesome story. So I'm Brenna. I'm a cultural anthropologist, and I got into a true crime podcasts while studying for some really hard grad school exams because I needed to think about something black and white and not complicated. But it does turn out that true crime um, tingles the part of my brain that wants complicated, but not as complicated as, say, like, high theory about the world but anyway in general i'm interested in how humans behave so it it kind of tracks for me and uh peter what about you i'm an artist and photographer and uh i guess just a, a little bit more interested than i should be in the darker sides of human nature and how they're expressed and i got peter into some true crime podcasts uh after kind of shame listening to them and not telling anyone I listened to them, we, I showed him some, and, and now he's a, a true crime fan as well. So we both got into the podcast world and decided there was a 
lack of podcasts about New York State. So here we are. Here we are. Okay, so is there anything else? No, I don't think so. I think we can get started. Okay, I have an exciting case for you, Peter. This is a 1970s case, which I feel like is a time of crime that people are very into uh, because it was before all the forensic stuff was available. It was when serial killers and killers could roam free and just get everyone. Peak crime. There wasn't social media. There wasn't cameras everywhere. So it's kind of just... A different world for crime. Yeah, just peak, went for it. peak crime. Okay, so this is a bit of a local tale for us as well. So I, I, for, I think we forgot to mention, you said, we're both from the Mid-Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. And this is a Dutchess County case. Dutchess County, our home county. Yes, so, so there's, there's some, if anyone's familiar with Dutchess County, you'll be familiar with some of these locations. And if you're not, we'll try and paint the picture as mm-hmm. well. Okay, so this is the story of the murder of Alice Susan Vrabelick. It's the summer of 1970 in Wappingers Falls, New York. And 20-year-old Alice Susan Vrabelick, a graduate of Ketchum High School, was working a summer job at a Howard Johnson's restaurant. Now, I always thought Howard Johnson's was a hotel, but apparently it was a restaurant, too. It was a restaurant, yeah. Okay, so she was working as a waitress. She had just picked up this job two weeks before. So it's the end of August in the summer. She just started working the job to make some extra cash because she wanted to travel to Paris to go to art school. Oh, wow. Dreams. Goals. So she had already studied art history uh, at Harvard for a bit. Harvard University. Fancy. And she had studied art history at SUNY New Paltz. Oh, we both... Went there. Our alma mater. Wow. So she was into the art history. She was into art. And she had already been to Europe already, um, beginning the art classes at the University of Paris. And let me just show you a picture of Alice because you'll see right away that she pretty much belonged in Paris. Can you describe this picture for us, Peter? Uh, she's got a uh, striped shirt on. Very small, like close stripes. Uh, uh, definitely, like, stereotypically, like, French striped shirt from, like, a caricature mm-hmm. of, like, a Parisian. <laughs> and, yeah, she's got those Parisian shapes, like that boat, boat neck. Like, boat neck, that's it. It's, yeah, it's very much like I'm I'm a girl who's going to go to Paris. I mean, I've, I've done it myself, so. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> so, really did. So it's clear that she, <clears throat> she was ready to do art in Paris. She was just trying to save up money at this job. Um, and Alice was the fourth of six sisters growing up. Whoa. And two of her sisters were actually living in Europe at this time, so that's probably why she was influenced to travel and, and familiar with, like, international travel at this time. Okay, so she's working at the Howard Johnsons. There are two girls who usually worked with her. Um, their names are Carmela and Nancy. And they described Alice as always being super happy. She was always talking about her adventures hitchhiking in Europe and they also said she would always look really good in a mini skirt so mm-hmm. she was just like a little cutie and she was also always checking the state of the stock market before her shift she's she's a smarty too uh-huh, uh-huh. so she just seems like a cool girl and the story starts on a Saturday night on August 22nd of 1970 
She worked a normal shift from 5 to midnight at the Howard Johnson's, and she usually got rides there to and from work from her dad, but earlier that day she told her dad that she already had a ride and she didn't need him to pick her up. So this Howard Johnson is on Route 9 in Wappenders Falls, and there's a post uh, postcard with a picture of this Howard Johnson's. I couldn't get um, a clear idea of where on Route 9 this Howard Johnson's was, but Peter, for those of us who are not from Dutchess County, can you describe what Route 9 is like? Oh, Route 9 is a fantastic place. Um, it's a stretch of, uh, stretch of, well, well now it's like three lanes in both directions, probably maybe it was two lanes two, in both directions. Two lanes in both directions, in this, directions in at least 70s, in but most of the area, yeah. Most of the area, but uh, it, it's a a hellscape of retail just scattered in these in these little plazas it begins with the walmart in east fishkill and sort of ends with um well not even the galleria mall past that Mm -hmm. um like it really ends past morse house um just just south of what the Poughkeepsie border, I guess, the, well, the northern Poughkeepsie border, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny you're saying this because that's also my conception of how long Route Nine is. But it actually goes from like Delaware to almost the Canadian border. It's oh, actually a really yeah. long road. But well, yeah, the central like area where it's plazas on both sides, all sorts of chain restaurants, malls, 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 like malls, that kind of road. Plazas. Lots of um, gas stations. Gas stations and lots of Chinese buffet. And lots of. Traffic lights. Traffic, Traffic lights. lights. So yes. it's kind of notorious in the area for being a really icky road to drive on. Yeah. Okay, so this is the Howard Johnson's. Um, I, I was really trying to figure out if it's uh, north of where the story kind of will end up in a moment or south, so we can talk about that. Okay, so Alice is working at the Howard Johnson's that night on August 22nd. Um, she had gotten a ride home after her usual shift from two co-workers. And it's unclear if this is the same two co-workers, um, Carmela and Nancy, who were describing her before, but it's definitely two women. Um, and Alice asked these two co-workers to drop her off at the Imperial Plaza at the intersection of New Hackensack Road and Route 9 in the village of Wappingers. Peter, can you, do you know where that intersection is? I'm pretty sure that I do, yeah. Let's pull up a picture real quick. Oops. Is that the one like just south of the where the buffet and the Goodwill is now? Um, I don't know what north and south is, but <laughs> let me tell you what the if you're familiar with this area, it's the Wappingers Duncan intersection. The Wappingers Duncan. The Wappingers That's it. Duncan. The Wappingers so, Duncan. Okay, um, yeah, this, totally. Yes, so yep. it's New Hackensack Road goes back this way. Um, and there's this whole right now i mean there's a wendy's there's a dairy queen there's and the imperial plaza is this plaza right next to the duncan so there's like now there's like a planet fitness and anyway there's a lot and this is like a congested area of the road um if you cross the to the other side of route nine you go into the village of wappingers it's a little quieter and then back behind the imperial plaza you get into like more woody areas of Wappingers, where there's just like a lot of um, housing, like residential areas. Okay, so she's dropped off at the Imperial Plaza there by her two co-workers. From what we can tell, 
She was planning to meet up with someone at one of the two diners near this intersection. She had changed out of her work clothes before they left the Howard Johnsons into some normal clothes. And I think I read she was wearing like a, like some sort of cute little mini dress. Um, and she was planning to meet someone. Nobody knows who she was planning to meet. They're not sure where she was planning to go, but she seemed really confident like she knew where she was going. The coworkers dropped her off and saw her walk away from the car back towards the plaza at 12.45 a.m. And that was the last time she was ever seen alive. So the next morning, Alice's mother was concerned that her daughter did not come home from her shift. So she called the restaurant and asked if anyone had seen Alice at the end of her shift the night before. Um, and they all said, you know, she seemed fine. She left at the normal time, but no one had seen her since. Alice's mother reported her missing that day. And I'm not sure how the police reacted to her disappearance right away. Uh, we can assume in 1970, she's kind of a free-spirited 20-year-old girl. I can see them not reacting right away, um, maybe thinking she was a runaway, but I, I really don't know. Um, the coverage of her disappearance did not show up in major newspapers until a few days later. So 10 days later, on September 1st, a local 16-year-old boy named Eric Didel was walking down Route 376 near his house when he found a bag and he looked inside the bag and there was a blue and white Howard Johnson's uniform neatly folded inside. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. Also in the bag was a wallet with $45 in cash and a paycheck from Howard Johnson's. No. Eric showed the bag to his mother, Doris, who went out to investigate and she had heard of Alice and, and kind of knew of her so she was worried. And later she found the decomposing body of Alice Freiblick down an embankment on the edge of a pond near a culvert, less than a mile from Alice's home. Oh my god. It's pretty bad. So now let me show you a video of, this is like a recent coverage of um, where the body was found and see if you can identify where this is. Does that look familiar to you? It, it does, but I'm having a little bit of trouble placing it. Where so is this that? is the um, this is the Duchess Airport. Duchess Airport. The yeah. bikeway intersection. Oh. And the New Hackensack Reformed Church is there. So this is that intersection between New Hackensack Road, three seventy six, right. and All Angels Hill Road. Yes. In Wappingers, so I went to New Hackensack Nursery School, oh, <laughs> and like at no. least one of my sisters was christened at New Hackensack Church. So that that culvert, that overpass, is right here down oh, the church. No. Now, Russell Road is where Alice lived. That's this road right here. Right there, next it's to the right, church. I mean, it's literally less than a quarter of a mile. Unbelievable. So it's, uh, it's a little spooky. So that's where they found her body. And then the investigation began. The Dutchess County Medical Examiner determined that Alice's death was a homicide, but the cause of death could not be determined due to her decomposition. And it's late August in New York, which is very hot and humid. Um, and there, it was also 1970, so there was little they could find out forensically. They said, you know, after 10 days, they couldn't determine if she had been sexually assaulted. And the sheriff at the time, Lawrence Quinlan, described her body as practically a skeleton when she was found. She had to be identified through her dental records by a local dentist. 
So after the body was found and the investigation began, some neighbors right near this area reported that they had heard screaming on the night of August 22nd, but they had not reported it at the time because they thought it was an animal. Great job, guys. Yeah, you really, really did exactly what you were supposed to do on that one. And it's just Great. really creepy because, I mean, what kind of thing must be happening to you to scream in a way that, like, what kind of animal in Dutchess County screams like a human being being murdered? Um, perhaps, maybe a coyote. Maybe. Maybe, but not really. Right. So anyway, a um... A fox, but also not really. Yeah. No, I guess it's possible that it was an animal, but that, that so that's what happened. Um, the investigation had started tracking down some tips, chasing down leads that led to a bunch of dead ends as far away as Rhode Island and New Hampshire, but none of these tips were substantial enough to figure out what had happened to Alice, and the case went cold. She was buried at Wappinger's Rural Cemetery on September 4th, 1970, just three days after they found her body. So the case went cold until, in 2018, the Dutchess County Sheriff's Office reopened this nearly 50-year-old cold case, hoping that new tips would help them solve it. And Alice's younger sister, Anna, came forward pleading for answers and helping the Sheriff's Office to investigate further tips. Anna says she believes her sister was planning to meet someone at the diner in the area after her shift, but she, to this day, has no idea who she would have been meeting. The sheriff now believes that Alice may have gotten a second ride from her first drop-off location to the intersection of 376 and New Hackensack Road, which would have brought her closer to home. And this makes sense in that she could have walked home. So let's look at this a little closer. So first, let's say she's on 9, whether it's north or south, we're not sure, but she's at Howard Johnson's, north or south on 9. She gets this ride to the intersection of New Hackensack Road and Route 9. She's dropped off here. She walks away. And then if she wanted to walk home, which is here, it would have taken about an hour. Mm -hmm. So if she gets a second ride, it's only about a 10-minute drive to the second intersection, which is really just, I mean, a little bit down the road, but it really saves her walking time. She could have walked home. That's only a mile. That's about a 10-minute walk. Right. So that makes sense for somewhere that she would have been asked to be dropped off. And the detectives think this is a possibility because after appeals for information early in the investigation in 1970, a driver came forward and said they had picked up Alice and dropped her off at the intersection of New Hackensack Road and Route 376 at around 12 55. Now that the detectives are re-examining the case, however, they think this tip could not be substantiated at the time and that the existence of a second driver cannot be confirmed. But this is kind of an interesting hint because it's the only hint we have in the case and it kind of speaks to what Alice may have been doing that night, which could speak to motive. If it's true that a second driver dropped her off at 12.55, do you remember what time she got dropped off at the first intersection? 12.45, not too long before, right? right? Right. That's just 10 minutes after she was dropped off at the first intersection. If she was getting dropped off there, planning to meet somebody, it kind of suggests she either changed her mind about going to that meeting or the person didn't show at the time, and she would have had to decide, I mean, pretty much right away 
to get a second ride. Uh, and maybe she just gave up and was tired after her shift and decided she wanted to go home. She was likely familiar with hitchhiking. She used to tell stories about going to Europe and hitchhiking to those co-workers and it probably wouldn't have seemed so strange to hitch a ride three miles down a local road towards the direction of her home where she could walk and it may have been easier than finding a phone in 1970 at almost 1am to call her dad for a ride. Uh, I mean can you imagine this road at almost 1am? How would you describe that that trip from the Duncan <laughs> past Dutchess Airport to that intersection? Oh I mean it's just like totally dark, just mm -hmm. a road through the woods. There is a few homes on it now. I'm not sure how many would have been there back then. Maybe a few homes, and I believe there's a park there, and then you're at the airport, and then the intersection. Right, I was thinking about it. I was like, even today, I think there's only one traffic light on this trip. Like, it's a very isolated road. It's only residential areas, even today. Right. Um, that that section past the airport is a little creepy. I always honestly thought as a child that section of the road is a little creepy. So I can imagine at 1 a.m., even if she got into the car with someone she may have known, uh, you know, this is a, an isolated area. So It's all swamp, too. Right. The road was built over the swamp. The airport was built on top of the swamp. So once you're off the road, you're just, you're in the mud. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's so if she did get into the second car willingly, it's likely either the driver of the second car himself killed her, mm -hmm. or that somebody else encountered Alice in the half-mile walk from the intersection of New Hackensack Road, 376, and All Angel Hills Road to her house on Russell Road. That's a 10-minute walk. She was found a quarter of a mile from her house, so five minutes into that walk, she was attacked. And those screams were heard. Um, I don't know. Like, what are the odds of it not being the second driver if that part of the story is true? And what are the odds of her getting to that location to be killed a quarter mile from her house if she didn't get that second ride? I I guess it it could mean a few things. It could mean uh, she got a second ride and... Uh, it could have been someone who she knew or perhaps someone who knew her, maybe knew where she lived. You know, small town could mm -hmm. have been some local person and they saw an opportunity. But why drive her almost home mm -hmm. if you're going to do that? Uh, right. Maybe the other thing is uh, this unknown person who gave her the second ride dropped her at the intersection, and maybe made a show of leaving, but decided to come back and follow her somehow, or see where she was going, and then followed her down this road, not necessarily knowing she lived there, mm -hmm. and then did Right, that's true, that's true. I have two hunches that I think are probably either un... I think they're unlikely because I think they're probably where the investigators would have looked first, and mm -hmm. the fact that they're not following that lead indicates to me that maybe they don't believe it's true. But A, she could have gotten home and been killed by someone in her home and then dumped and made it look like it was a hitchhiking accident. Oh, how interesting. 
right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea what her relationship was with her mother, father, or siblings, um, but, I mean, that just seems, when someone's found so close to home, it always seems like maybe it happened in the home, the person was trying to cover it up real fast, so they couldn't go very far. Some so kind of domestic. It. Yeah. Um, mm. The other thing I thought of is, what if this was just, like, a hit-and-run accident? Like, she was walking, it's late at night, some kid is driving, and just hits her and doesn't realize, like, doesn't see her, and then freaks out and hides the body. Because there's no other, we don't know cause of death, we don't know that there's any blunt force trauma, we don't know if she's strength, like, we don't know anything. So it doesn't sound like they would even know if she had been hit by a car with the level of decomposition. So, I mean, that kind of seems a possibility to me as well. Maybe it's just a horrible accident someone's been covering up for 50 years. It's not a bad theory. Um, I wonder, though, if these uh, wonderful and smart people who heard the perhaps the dying screams of their neighbor, would they not have heard a car impact or a engine rev or anything, any other noise associated with getting hit by a fucking car? That's true. And speaking of a car, the only other tip that exists in this case is that a light-colored car was seen in the area that she was last seen alive, near that plaza. That... Oh, in the plaza, not in the cul-de-sac where in she plaza, lived. In the plaza, yeah. In the Imperial Plaza, the first drop-off site. So it wasn't clear if she was going towards that car, but that car was there when she was dropped off, when those friends dropped her off. In the and it was the only or one of the few cars in the slot at the time? It sounds like it because it's mentioned in the investigation, but... I mean, it was late. It could have been the only car there. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing is if she was going to meet someone, who could that be? I mean, at 1 a.m. it was a Saturday night. I guess it could have been a date, but that seems like a little late after your shift. Um, It could have been... I don't know. Why else would you? I mean, maybe you're just trying to see friends before you left for Paris. It's possible. No mention of a boyfriend or anything? Yeah, no mention of anything like that. Hmm. So it's really, this is why it's a mystery. It doesn't sound like they know a lot about the conditions of her, the people who were in her life, or if they are, if they do know anything about that, then they aren't saying. Um, here's a quote by the current sheriff's captain, John Waterston. He said, with some cases, it may seem they have stalled, but we never stop investigating until the case reaches a conclusion. Despite the lack of current leads, it's important to keep working, not only to solve the case, but to also try to provide some measure of closure to family members. And the Dutchess County Sheriff's Office detectives are actively investigating Alice Freiblick's death. Anyone with information can contact Detective Kate Capalbo at kcapalbo at duchessny.gov. And the Sheriff's Office can also be contacted through an anonymous tip line at 845-605-CLUE or emailed at dcsotips at gmail.com. So I got sources for this case from the Facebook group Hudson Valley Cold Cases and Missing People, the Southwest Duchess Daily Voice, the Hudson Valley Post, ABC7 Eyewitness News did a feature on this case, and most importantly, there was a Poughkeepsie Journal article by Joan Doyle in 1970 that provided a lot of details, and a more recent article by Abbott Brandt, also in the Poughkeepsie Journal in 2018. And all those sources will be linked on our website. And our website is New York State of Crime Podcast dot com.
You can also follow us on Instagram at New York State of Crime. And our email address is New York State of Crime at gmail.com. Please do not hesitate to email us. We love all of you and want to hear from you. So thanks for listening to our first episode. Yes, thank you. It was fun. Uh, I think we'll cover maybe a more recent case in our next episode, so stay tuned. Uh, yeah, and it's it's my turn next time, so yes. I'll, I'll be bringing the next episode to you guys. Awesome. Bye. Bye.